That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Harry stretched out his arms, lifted the egg in his wet hands, and opened it. The wailing, screeching sound filled the bathroom, echoing and reverberating off the marble walls, but it sounded just as incomprehensible as ever, if not more so with all the echoes. He snapped it shut again, worried that the sound would attract Filch, wondering whether that hadn't been Cedric's plan. And then, making him jump so badly that he dropped the egg, which clattered away across the bathroom floor, someone spoke. I'd try putting it in the water if I were you. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the Restricted section, the show in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss the way the story and its themes have stayed with a generation into adulthood. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we're talking about this week. Chapter 25, The Egg and the Eye. In this most stressful chapter, Harry follows Cedric's advice and takes a nice bath with his mysterious screaming egg. Moaning Myrtle helps him figure out that the mermaids are going to steal something from him and he'll have to fetch whatever it is from the bottom of the lake. No big deal. On the way back to the common room, Harry gets his leg stuck in a trick step and then it's just an absolute shit show. Filch finds the egg and thinks he's caught peeves stealing from a champion. Snape comes along in his nighty, more worried about someone going through his office. And finally, Moody shows up and he can see Harry through the invisibility cloak and helps him get out of that incredibly tense situation with probably no ulterior motives. Welcome to the restricted section where all the stairs are tricks. You literally can't go anywhere. I can't complain today because I am joined by my abstracted friend, Leela. Say hello to the listeners, Leela. Hello, listeners. Do you know what abstracted means? Um, abstracted? Yeah. No. This was definitely one I found through the thesaurus. It means showing a lack of concentration on what is happening around one. Aw, it's like my uh, my diagnosis. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Found a new word just for you. Thanks. And Thank I am you. beyond stoked because our special guest today is the one, the only Madeline Bundy, set designer, costume designer, and prop designer for the play Puffs. She also played Harry Potter, Susan Bones, Moaning Myrtle, among other characters. Say hello to the listeners, Maddie. Hi. <laughs> we are so excited to have you here. Would Thank you mind telling you. our listeners a little bit about Puffs or, and your other work? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Puffs uh, was this off-Broadway show that uh, me and my friends did here in New York City, uh, where I currently live for now. Um, and, uh, we, we did it for about like, gosh, like five years, way longer than we ever expected to. Uh, it started at the People's Improv Theater. It moved to, uh, the Electra. And then we were very lucky to get, um, moved up to, uh, New World Stages. Um, and then that production was recorded and you can now find it on, uh, various platforms such as Amazon and iTunes. Uh, yep, like uh, like you said, I played the I played Susie Bones, Myrtle, and Harry, um, and then I also designed all the physical elements, so the the props, costumes, set. Uh, I did not design the sound or the lights, <laughs> but just about everything. Yeah, yeah. 
We're going to try not to make you blush too much, but honestly, Leela and I, along with our friend Mott's covered puffs on the podcast <laughs> over the summer. So if you haven't listened to that episode, please do. And I was mentioning this a little bit before we started recording, but damn, you know, the Hufflepuffs don't get any airtime in the Harry Potter series except yeah. for Ernie fucking McMillan and his yeah. stupid big mouth. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit Jay Finch. Once a Jay like, Finch. And then also bit. Cedric. Must not forget Cedric. Of yeah, of course, of course. But truly, when Leela and I both watched this for the first time, we just felt so seen. Um, we just, the tone is completely different. Yeah, that's where the, I mean, that's where the idea came from, which is like, it, it felt like the house, that house felt like the most um, mysterious. Mm. It's just because they're not getting into anything. <laughs> well, and it's also like, there's something felt like they're in the, they're in the basement um, mm-hmm. No one, they, I think there's a, I don't remember, oh my gosh, I don't remember what book it's in now, but there's the detail about how, like, no one's been in their common rooms for, like, yeah. f- it's something like 400 years or something. So there's also a mystery of, like, what does it look like in there? And they have a reputation for being, you know, kind and, but uh, there's some, there's some snarky little bits in there, too. So I don't know. <laughs> I get it. I get it because... Even though I'm a Hufflepuff, I can get super snarky when my friends are threatened. And honestly, when Ernie McMillan was spreading those nasty rumors about Harry, it's only because his BFF, Jay Finch, was threatened. And I get it. But but also, the Gryffindors are kind of annoying. So I guess I also (laughs) get it. I just couldn't agree anymore. I'm a Gryffindor. I'm a Gryffindor. Oh, okay. Well, I'm so sorry about the diss I just said then. No, no, no. No, no, no. Uh, There's a reason why I'm a Gryffindor. (laughs) Stubborn. So you're stubborn. What else about being a Gryffindor? It's sort of that Ned Stark, like, constant need to, like, stand up for the right thing, even though you're going to get your head cut off. It's like the, it's like your heart's in the right place, but it's like, sometimes you're, maybe, I don't know, your tactics are not, I don't know, always the wisest decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So tell us a little bit about your very hairy history. Like, when did you get into the books? When did you get into the movies? I feel like, I feel like I got, I got into the books, like, pretty much, like, you know, in the 90s when, like, everyone else was getting into them. Um, And I was, I was super into them. And I think for a, a lot of people, especially if you were a kid in the 90s, it sort of started your love of reading. And like, so yeah. I, I really, I started reading other, I, I got excited about other, uh, you know, especially fantasy series, uh, yeah. be- I think because of, because of Potter. I will admit that sort of like when the later books started coming out, like, you know, five, six, seven, I started to slow down a little bit. Understandably, they're like 700 page long books. Well, and I think <laughs> at the time it just felt like, oh, I've wa- I'd like, I've waited so long for this one. I don't I don't remember what happened. <laughs> um, I gonna have to reread all the. I have to reread everything to like make Thousands sure I'm caught up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was just kind of. I kind of like got into other things, and then um, getting to do when when Matt Cox and um, a bunch of my friends and I decided like we were gonna make this Hufflepuff show. I think that um, it, there was something really exciting about not just revisiting it as an adult, which is a totally different experience. But revisiting it as, as like, like research, <laughs> like, oh, like I, like you can kind of put your important hat on of like, oh, I, well, I have to, I have to uh, read these books and watch all these movies because, you know, it's very important. Yeah. We said, and I have to go to the theme park because yeah, I need to that, learn I do the same and, thing running this podcast. I'm like, I, <laughs> it's for the greater good. But you, when you have that mindset, you do see things in a different way. And you, I think you do notice details in a different way, especially from a design perspective. There were just very specific details that like, I, I 
I don't think even I don't think I would have noticed even if I was just rereading it as an adult. Um, yeah. That was and that was fun. That was like it was just yeah, it was just fun and exciting. That's awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. And yeah, that really does parallel the experience that we've had doing this podcast, reading the books excruciatingly slowly and like nitpicking yeah. every line. There's a lot of opportunity to catch stuff that you don't catch when you're trying to blow through a 700 page book in a couple days. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for being here. We're just so, so excited to have you. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. So before we get into the chapter, we have some owl mail. I wish I had a little like jingle, but instead I just You know it. I'll hoot, make one for hoot, you hoot. know I'll record one for you. Oh no. Wait, do it again. Hoot hoot. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> Crushed it. This owl is from our friend Mott, who, as I mentioned previously, was also on our Puffs episode over the summer. <clears throat> I think that the subject line of this email was like, more math in all capitals or something like that. So thanks for the math, Mott, I guess. Um, Mott's writes, hello there. I have a question or several regarding everyone's favorite thing, math, especially Wizarding World math. Everyone loves that, right? Right? Anyway. According to the Harry Potter wiki article on Wizarding World Currency, one galleon is worth $6.64. The reward for winning the Triwizard Tournament is 1,000 galleons. 1,000 times 664 is $6,640. Everyone in this fucking book talks about how <laughs> Triwizard Tournament reward money is this crazy amount of money. Like, would you risk your life for $6,640? But they're because kids. But they're like children. So sorry. <laughs> it's, it's quite all right. Moss goes on. I know for a fucking fact that I would not. Like Harry gives Fred and George his winnings to start a fucking business at the end of this book. If you take into consideration the fact that they also use some of that money to buy Ron a new pair of dress robes. Nope. I don't buy it. I know that in the grand scheme of things, the mathematical inconsistencies in the series are fairly insignificant compared to some of Voldemort's other crimes, but it really frustrates me when it doesn't add up. I hope everyone has a wonderful day in spite of my best efforts to ruin it for you. Love you all. I have the honor to be your obedient servant, M.Fur. That's our friend, Mott, <laughs> with the math. I'm just saying, like, you know, when you're a kid and you're like, a hundred dollars, wow. <laughs> so I think yeah. if you were in high school and you were told, like, yeah, if you do this, you're we're going to give you $6,000, it sounds like a lot more. I'm remembering a Bob's Burgers episode where the oh, I nine love Bob's Burgers. I think she's yes. nine. Louise, they're like, we'll pay you $10 a day. To First of all, that's the weed episode. where The, the weed episode, yeah. Where grandma and grandpa, I don't remember their names, are like, we couldn't afford to pay you much. Just say $10 a day. $10! I can start saving for my Porsche Cayenne. <laughs> Negotiate. So I think you're right that this probably feels like a lot of money yeah. to the kids. But also, but also what what are these, like, the wizarding kids, like, what they just want to go into town and get a soda. Like, that's all they want to do. They want to go get butterbeer. Like, I think I think I that that's a really valid point. But I also think that Mott's point about would you risk your life for six grand is like a great point because it's a lot of money. They all stopped and like had a conversation about it. They probably, what are we doing? What are we doing? Like, <laughs> what are we doing? If here? anyone at any time stopped and had a conversation about the Triwizard Tournament in this book. Oh, it doesn't. Yeah, it's insane. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> no we're not hey hey we're not doing that hey we're just like what are you gonna do we're just not doing it 
We're not doing it. Yeah, the leadership is like, we've had so many meetings about this. I think Karkarov specifically is like, after all these meetings, this bullshit happens. And it's like, what were you talking about at these meetings? Dragons and how to come up with six, measly six grand for your winner. Brings up an excellent point. And relevant to uh, Puffs because Oliver Rivers loves math. Right. So it all it all ties in. I think I was complaining about math in the episode before last, um, because I mean, Voldemort is notoriously bad at math, but it's like, it's like, come on, man, like, just get a calculator. Whatever, we don't have to get into it again. Um, thanks, Mots. Thanks so much for the fucking mo- math. I almost said moth. <laughs> well, let's move on to the chapter. We're here today to talk about chapter 25 of the Goblet of Fire, the egg and the eye. Which this is a chapter that I pretty much completely forget about between readings. And when I revisit, I mean, obviously, the whole prefects bathroom thing is like very classic. But the second half of this chapter, I always forget about it completely. And when I get to it again, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so juicy. Yeah, this is one of like the juiciest chapters that we've read so far, for sure. It's, like, extremely stressful. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I find the whole chapter stressful. It is. It is. (laughs) I think I'm probably the familiarity of the first half of this chapter. I'm like, well, I know how it goes. It's going to be fine. Just a little sexual uh, harassment from a ghost. (laughs) I feel so bad. Sorry, you can go into, you you know, you can go into the summary, but I just feel so bad for her. I know. No, I know. And I always forget that. And I'm like, oh, man. This poor little, this poor kid, like. Maddie, did you say you watch Bob's Burgers when I brought it up? I do, yeah, I love Bob's Burgers. Moaning Myrtle reminds me of if Tina Belcher got murdered and stayed a ghost as herself oh, forever. Oh, yeah, well, especially especially the movie. I actually, when we, I was, re- I uh, re-listened to the, the audio recording and I reread the chapter. So nice. I was like, I, because I think you get different perspectives, but um, especially Shirley Henderson's adaptation. Yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's start at the beginning. Harry's like, fine, I guess I'll take stupid, sexy Cedric's advice and take a stupid bath with this stupid egg. <laughs> He's so suspicious of him. So I, like, I always, I forget that too. Like, He's like, nah, I don't know if I trust him. I know, and it's just because he's butthurt. And like, honestly, how dare you? Cedric's integrity is rock solid. I know, especially after... <sighs> Rewatching Puffs again last night. I um, <laughs> I just like I'm like Cedric would never. Don't yeah. talk about him like that, Harry. Don't even think about him like that. We did talk in our Puffs episode about how I vastly prefer Cedric in Puffs to Robert oh, Pattinson. You yes. know what? I'll tell James that he'll love please that. do. Oh my god, do it! <laughs> like that is a, a Cedric that I think is like a leader like people can get behind that Cedric like Robert Pattinson is just like no one's gonna follow you anywhere like no one honestly that's true James is great that's true in real life everybody loves him he is kind I'm of so a glad real- to hear that he is a real yeah. life Cedric yes Aww. that makes me so happy <laughs> unrelated his portrayal of Voldemort is extremely excellent also <laughs> oh yeah yeah he w- often, yeah, we get the, we've, we were often getting comments like asking if he was doing a Tim Curry impression. <gasps> I don't think it's, st- I don't think it started out that way. I think he does have, cause he, uh, James has such a beautiful voice. And I think sometimes, uh, when he's using his sort of like upper register mm-hmm. area, you know, it just kind of, it, he does kind of sound like Tim Curry. But I think after he heard that, he kind of like leaned into it a little bit. 
Oh, nice. yeah. But when we were watching last night, my husband was like, oh, my God, like, he needs to be cast as Frankenfurter. Like, I, now. I think oh, yeah, he'd be good at that. The cheekbones are similar. It's the yeah. cheekbones help yeah, a lot. You're right. Yeah, Yeah, the cheekbones and the attitude. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So Harry goes to the prefect's bathroom, which is sexy. It's like a bougie hotel pool. It's, like, definitely not a, a kid's bathroom. It has a diving board. I forgot that. It's it, it's like a nonsense thing because, like, are, <laughs> is it a pool or is it a bathtub? Both. It's both. <laughs> are they – is it, like, specifically for orgies or is it, like, optional? Because this to me, an unsupervised – got all sorts of crazy rooms it, for – And who knows what the original purpose of all those rooms are. <laughs> this was originally a staff orgy chamber, but they I gave don't it to know. the prefects it's where the prefects very, unionized. It's very like old. That. It's a very old building. <laughs> like – the sexiest room in the castle like it has sexy <laughs> bubbles like it has cool art it's all private you need it's a got password a, it's to got the mer- the mermaid window the mermaid, yes yeah. and like i would never be naked in here because anyone could just walk in unless i was specifically seeking an orgy then i yeah, would be naked. does he have does he can i mean i know I, this is a weird question but like could he go into the water with his clothes on does he have to Take off his clothes? Like, <laughs> of course, that would never occur to Harry. He was like, Nikki time. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> he needs like a James Bond, like, terry cloth onesie. Yes. <laughs> I can't get naked. What if that's not what I do here? And, and it's like, this is a bath, you have to get naked. But, like, but, like, someone would walk in and be like, you, why are you naked <laughs> in this very public room? <laughs> it's a terrible realization. Have you ever been to the doctor's office, like, and you took off, like, one too many clothes? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I'm the kind of person who asks. I'm like, well, do I have to take it all off? Well, now I am. <laughs> Let me just swaddle this crinkly blanket across myself while I wait for 30 minutes for the gynecologist to come in. Yeah. Oh, God. It's a, I think it was the gynecologist. She was like, ma'am. Oh, you know, it was a different doctor's office because, you know, they'll do a breast exam. So they're like, take your bra off. And so wherever I was, I took my bra off. And they were like, ma'am, <laughs> <laughs> that was not necessary. You're like, oh, this isn't for the appointment. I'm coming on to you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. No, I was like, wow, I wish I was dead and I'll never get naked again. <laughs> I just think that if I was like a nurse in a doctor's office, I would just never say anything. Yeah. I would be like, oh my God, thank you so much. You look great. Let me just <laughs> check you for scoliosis or something. Perfect. Crush it. You yeah. can put your tits away now. It's true. Not great bedside manner. You think in a place you think in a place where they'd seen it all, they'd be like, Oh yeah, whatever. Exactly. That's what you wanted to do. Whenever I go to the gynecologist, I'm like, whatever's going on, they've seen it. (laughs) My vagina's doing great. Thank you so much for asking. So he gets in (laughs) this public bathtub, butt naked, and he swims some laps just to like get the stress out. (laughs) They can't see me because it's a podcast. I'm dog paddling. You are dog paddling, and it, in the book, he's like, I don't I have no fucking idea how to swim, so I'm sure that's exactly what it looks like. I forgot that, too. That the, It was like, oh, the Dursleys didn't teach him how to swim. You absolutely must teach children how to swim. It's like the easiest thing to learn 
to like you don't have to learn how to do like the breaststroke but you it's super no. easy to learn how to like no. keep your head not water. die in the water you know uh i don't know my parents tried i failed a lot of swim classes I think that you're probably more buoyant than you think. You don't have to do, you don't have to do the, I don't remember any other names actually other than breaststroke. Uh, free, freestyle? Freestyle, yeah. Butterfly. 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 And the What's that one? There's one that's like a frog leg one where you like put like one arm forward and one leg backward. That's the, it's a, that's the breaststroke. Oh, it is? Yeah. I thought oh, that. Interesting. I don't know. I can't wow. do any okay, of them. Okay, so we're not swimming. God, I should have had Michael Phelps on this episode. Damn it. I was actually on a swim team. I was hey. fine. I was like, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not like, I want a ton of stuff. I was fine. It was an after school activity. Nice. Um, I would always go with my friends to their swim team meetings. Like, not, wait, what's it called? Practice? Practice. Their meets, right? Meet. Meets. No, no, no. Meets. I wouldn't go to the meets because I was competitive. I would only go to the practice because I didn't <laughs> have a pool. They were intense. Yeah. I'm it from, was intense. Uh, so I'm from Alaska. And so it it was like a big deal up there because oh, like there's a couple indoor sports that become a really big deal. It's like all the kids that don't want to be outside. Yeah, I get, get really it, yeah. get really intense about swimming and like tennis. Cool. I did not know that about Alaska. <laughs> oh, and Irish dance. There's a lot of Irish dance up there. What? That's so <laughs> random. Is there a big Irish population there? I, d- I don't. Th- you know what? I don't know. You know, <laughs> I just knew I knew a lot of kids who were really intense about Irish dance. We have to know now. Thanks for learning something that I should know about my state. There are is ten per about ten or eleven percent of Alaska's population and the total U.S. population are Irish. And just for the record, that is the research that I did when you type something into Google and then don't even open a page at all. You just see what Google says first. So that's how I research. So that's yeah, fine. maybe that's right. Maybe it's not. Wow, that's fascinating. Um, so, but Harry has never done any of this. He doesn't do extracurriculars except for Quidditch, which hasn't taught him anything. Not an Irish dancer. (laughs) No, he'd probably be so good at it. (laughs) I just want to know, like, so they said he says when he's in the bathroom, he could tell at once that they carried sorts of different sorts of bubble bath mixed with water. Though it wasn't bubble bath as Harry had ever experienced it. Like, come on. The Dursleys never gave you a bubble bath. <laughs> Maybe he watched, like, so sadly while Dudley got a bubble bath. <laughs> oh, that, and that's how he experienced it. <laughs> oh, now I'm sad. Resisting the urge to make another Bob's Burgers reference here. So, finally, he is like, all right, it's egg time. And he opens the egg. And this is our favorite moment in Puffs. <laughs> Yeah, when when the egg screams. Oh, that's Matt. Co- that's the voice of Matt Cox. Really? Yeah. Well, because he did. He did. The music was done by our friend Brian Hose, but uh, Matt Cox is the sound designer. That's awesome. Um, so sometimes he would just he'll just record something himself because it's just faster than like asking someone else to do it. Yeah, I I get it. And wow, great scream, dude! Because it's a great scream. It's just like it's just we're so a loud. Funny. We're a loud group. <laughs> I. <laughs> Gosh, we just, we would be such great friends. <laughs> Did he do a different scream, like, for different performances? I think there were a couple, like, especially early on when we were, like, it, the stakes were really low, and we were like, oh, whatever, right. let's try something. To-. I think there were a couple shows where he would try some random sound effects, inclu- including some different screams, and it would be like, oh, no, 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 we have to go back to the other one. That did, <laughs> that did, not, that did not, that did not work. That was not funny. The audience did not, the audience did not appreciate that. Let's go back. The laugh-ometer <laughs> wasn't quite as high. 
the oh the point the po- the point sound effects. There was like a uh, there was a phase where we had shows with just like different point sounds because I think it's, it's so just funny. like a I think it's just like a ding, but like yeah, uh, but like there were different there were shows early on where we try and it was like they felt weird and wrong. Interesting. Like it, um, sometimes the simplest uh, answer is the best solution. Like yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm like a book editor and I really try to get my authors to understand that. I'm like, it's really cool that you used 30 words, but I can actually do this in four words. And can I recommend that instead? At one point, at what point we use the gene, I think it's Gene Wilder, the you, the you lose. You lose. That it is from Charlie the Chocolate. Yeah. Chocolate Factory, right? That is yeah. what that's from. I think we used that for a show, and it was so uncomfortable. <laughs> but oh it beca- my god! But it, but it became an inside joke in the cast for like four years. <laughs> okay, good. you you lose, and it was like that's one of those things. It's like <laughs> people overhear you, and they're like, "What are they talking about? They're crazy." There's You're just like, no way I could. If you knew, it. if you knew the, if you knew the context, you think it was really, really funny. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth it. Do you ever find yourself making, like, inside jokes that you had with friends, like, 10 years ago with your, like, current friends? <laughs> yeah, and you just, yeah. like, look around and you're like, oh, no, none of them are left. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, my college friends. I oh, make, like, no. college jokes I'm all the, the time. Only, I'm the only one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, attracted by the naked Harry and the screaming egg, uh, enter Moaning Myrtle. Hello, Harry. Hello. <laughs> Perfect. Crushed it. Crushed it. I say enter, but I guess she's been there the whole time. Uh, just oh yeah, watching. Oh yeah, him. you know she has. She's been waiting for students to come in. <laughs> like I know that this is obvious. I'm gonna say it once, and then we're not gonna like discuss it. But like, okay. this is wildly inappropriate, like sexual harassment behavior. So Myrtle is like. Yo, put the egg in the water, you dumbass. Because, like, why else would you be taking a bath? (laughs) Harry opens the egg under the water, and it's, like, it's not screaming anymore because it's underwater, but it's, like, bubbling. It sounds, like, melodic, perhaps. So he puts his head under to listen, and it's a song. She still has to tell him to put his... She's, like, maybe... No, he's a fucking idiot. Maybe... (laughs) He's, like, I can't hear it from here. It's a little muffled. (laughs) (laughs) Get under the water, <laughs> you sweet, dumb baby. Sweet, dumb baby needs lots of instruction. Yeah. He, he should have looped Hermione in so long ago about this whole egg yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah. What what is he thinking? I Nothing. She's the problem solver. <laughs> Just a tumbleweed going through his brain. <laughs> so it's a song from... Well, okay, no, no, we don't know what it's from. It's just a song, and it's like, we're gonna steal your shit, and you're gonna <laughs> have to come get it. Yeah. He has to listen to it four times to memorize it, which I don't buy that. I think it would have to be, like, 15 times, at least. Yeah. What do you guys think? Do you guys think you could memorize this in four listens? No. No. No, no especially when you're stressed out, and there's someone leering at you. Like, <laughs> leering. <laughs> leering. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so then once he has it memorized, it takes him like an agonizingly long time to work through the riddle. And like, <laughs> it's just, it's just that like, maybe, maybe if he was like reading this riddle, if someone was like in the common room, like, hey, Harry, here's this riddle. It's like, huh, weird. But like, come on, man. Like, they're underwater. They have, 
But when they're underwater, they sound like humans. Like, it just, it takes him so long. <laughs> but great. It's people. It's people. She says, she says, <laughs> I can't do it. But she says, she says, slow, aren't you? And I just wrote in capital letters, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He's just not great at, like, percolating. Like, he's not good at, like, having himself, like, a think, think, think. You know, he only gets, like, <laughs> strokes of dramatic air quotes genius and he just like acts impulsively he's not good at like let's figure this out one step at a time (laughs) that's what Hermione's for so Harry asks Moaning Myrtle how he is supposed to breathe under the lake and she's like oh great oh sure just breathe why don't you (laughs) I'm dead I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be insensitive. But like, she's been dead. It like, I don't, I feel like she maybe should be coping better. What are we thinking? Well, I mean, I guess it depends. What is the ghost logic in this universe? Like, do you, do do you develop beyond, you know, where you died? Like, do you learn new things? I guess I don't understand a lot of the ghost rules. I, like, hope that the answer is no, because otherwise, as you mentioned previously, like, Moaning Myrtle is, like, kind of inexcusable, unless you take, like, an Arrested Development perspective on her. That's how, that's how I always read it, mm, was that she yeah. was kind of stuck. Yeah, and that's why it's extra interesting that the actress that portrayed her in the films was, like, what, like, 35 when she played that role? Yeah, I bet I would, we had, I had a conversation with Matt when he was writing the first draft, and I was like, I was like, you have to let me play the Shirley Henderson part, one, because I can do the voice, but also I'm obsessed with this actress. I have yes. been watching, I have been watching this actress in Masterpiece Theater things since I was a kid, and I think cool. she's so yeah. cool. <laughs> That I love was awesome. She, I love when she pops up in The Friend in things. I think she's the friend in Bridget Jones. I think oh, that's the way. Oh, really? Is she? Yeah, I think so. I haven't seen that movie, and it's only recently been added to my list. I just recently learned that it's a Pride and Prejudice adaptation. Oh, so yeah. I'm like, I gotta get in yeah, there. That's, I love that's why, yeah, that's why it's Colin Firth, because the joke is that he's the famous he's the same Darcy. Guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do get it now, but when I, it always, I never knew what it was about, and I was like, oh, it looks like a There's, I mean, like any, like any comedy, there's things that don't age well, because comedy doesn't age well, sure. but- but as a rom-com slash kind of a Christmas movie, um, yeah. it's very entertaining. I agree. Interesting. And I think her set of, like, friends. Sometimes the friends of the main character are, like, shmeh. Like, you know, Devil Wears Prada. It's like, ugh, these friends right. are, like, ugh, they're all over the place. They want, her, <laughs> they want her stuff, but, like, they want her to quit the job. And they're like, you've changed. They're like, I don't know what's going on with her friends. They, she, has, <laughs> she has, like, a good set of friends in um, good. Uh, Bridget Jones. Yeah. It's a good support system. And I mean, I'm not British, so I, I'm not one to be able to comment, but I think she does a really good British accent. I think she's fine. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I don't know what... It's passable to me. I don't know what they think across the pond, but yeah. that's true. We'll have to ask our one British friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I meant, you know, the, well, no, I was going to say the the podcast only has one British friend. We have lots of listeners and we, I, I just don't know them. Shoot me an email. I'd love to meet you. <laughs> Okay, so so finally Harry works out that the Mer people are going to steal something from him and he will need to retrieve it from the bottom of the lake. Cool, are you glad you figured that out, buddy? You feel good now? You feel nice and peaceful inside? Everything's fixed? No. It's only escalated the problem. <laughs> um, so Harry's like, well, fine, fuck. He leaves the bathroom. When he checks the Marauders map to see if the coast is clear, he's like, cool, the coast is clear. 
but he notices Barty Crouch on the map. What the fuck? Mamma mia! (laughs) (laughs) Barty Crouch has been calling... I don't know if calling out is the right word, but he's been, like, not attending the Triwizard stuff that he should be attending. I think it was just the Yule Ball so far. Um, I might be wrong about that. He might have missed something else. But he's been, like, Percy Weasley divulged, and also Ludo Bagman, that he's been too sick to come to work, and he has been sending in owls with instructions. And Percy Weasley, for better or for worse, is in charge now. So Harry's like, why is he, if he can't make it to these Triwizard events, like, why is he fucking creeping around Hogwarts in the middle of the night um, in Snape's office? Highly sus. Extremely (laughs) sus. Extremely sus. (laughs) I'm trying to, like, figure out a joke, like an Among Us joke, because that has, like, a map thing and you can, like, see people on the map. I can't quite connect the dots, but, like, insert your own Among Us joke here. So Harry's like, I'm going to go investigate slash go to bed. You know, classic Harry shit. He's like in a daze. He's like thinking about how the fuck he's going to get to the bottom of the lake, obviously. Like, I mean, yeah, that would preoccupy me too. He's not really paying attention. So on the way down a staircase, he forgets to skip a trick step. And so when he steps on it, I think it like disintegrates or like was never there to begin with really or like something. It doesn't say. I don't know. Yeah, he sinks into the step like up to his thigh. Like every, like my absolute worst nightmare when I'm walking around the streets of, I don't know, New York fucking city and there's all those grates everywhere and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going down. I'm going down. Would you guys be able to remember where all of the trick steps in Hogwarts were? No, they're all moving. Yeah. (laughs) They do move. They do move. (laughs) Get somebody to fix them that isn't poor Mr. Filch. I know that, okay, I sorry, I know the movies are very, like, there's a lot going on that they have to cram into the movies, and the movies are already long. I feel like there's elements of the castle that we definitely, like, lose. Yeah. In the movies. With the stairs specifically, like, in the books, the stairs at Hogwarts are, like, tricky in this way. Like, sometimes they are, tri- they have trick steps. Sometimes they are, like, leading you somewhere that like isn't real or like they're just pretending to be like a, a solid wall but they're it actually just, stairs it just doesn't make any sense for like kids who are trying to get to class it just it doesn't like- at all <laughs> but so the movies like are like we don't have time to like convey that so instead we're gonna create this story tool of these moving staircases so that we can weirdly get the kids to the third floor yeah. corridor yeah. in the sorcerer's stone so the stairs don't, like, rotate in that way in the book, but they do, like, move around and trick you. And I really feel like Hogwarts just, like, has this spirit, like, has this energy that no person can, like, fix. Like, you kind of mentioned earlier, Lila. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think these are fixable. I think if you fix one, it'll show up somewhere else. Yeah. Magic. Yeah. It'd be tricky. I'm just going to, like, spell it out for you. So Harry... Like, imagine you're just daydreaming after a nice bath where you're mildly sexually harassed and you're just, like, wandering so snugly through the school thinking about death because you're going to die at the bottom of the lake and you walk onto the step that seems fine. No, you go straight into it. You sink in up to your thigh. You drop this super heavy egg that you're carrying. It clatters Ugh. like thunk, oh my God. thunk, yeah, thunk, it's just thunk really, down no, the stairs. God, it's really terrible. It it's terrible. Out. I think it says like a bass drum <laughs> yes. down the stairs. Uh. It bursts open and starts <laughs> screaming. It's screaming. He drops <laughs> the Marauder's map, which is still on on mode. It hasn't been wiped. It's just like on. 
It's like dropping your iPad with like your journal open on it. It's like, no. And then then the invisibility cloak starts to fall off him. And like the only thing he can do, and thank God he does, is like catch the invisibility cloak and make sure it's covering him. That's all he can do. And he is stuck. And there, the egg is screaming. (laughs) Let's just take a moment to mourn Harry in this moment because goddamn. <laughs> How funny would this have been in the movie? It would have been so fucking good. Yeah, it would have been great. I just like there's so much. It's like everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Yeah, in like a split second. Yeah. And that's how it be. It's about to get worse. Because <laughs> because Filch comes running and screaming about peeves. The fact that Filch is so obsessed with catching peeves is actually like a huge asset to the students because he's so willing to believe that anything that happens was peeves. Because this isn't the only time. Um, I kind of forget when it happens, but there's Harry's about to get written up for something in Filch's office and someone like knocks over like a big dress. I think it's the vanishing cabinet actually knocks over like a big piece of furniture and Filch goes running off and is like peeves. (laughs) So... Good for them, I guess, that Filch hates Peeves. <laughs> Filch finds the egg and he's like, it was Peeves who did it. Like, he stole this from a champion because he's like laser focused. <laughs> like, just so many things happen. Okay, so then enter Snape. <laughs> you thought it couldn't get any worse. <laughs> Filch is like, Snape, it was Peeves who did this. And then Snape is like, what? Peeves couldn't get into my office. And then Filch is like, what? (laughs) But as a reminder, Harry saw on the Marauders map, Barty Crouch going through Snape's office. So like someone was going through Snape's office and Snape knows. So then Snape is like, Filch, help me look for my intruder. Like, fuck your intruder. Let's look for my intruder. Yeah. But Filch is super focused on Peeves. It's actually these really action-y segments of the book where there's like very little commentary to do. You know, it's like this shitty thing happens. He doesn't do magic. So it's like, isn't it just like the energy's got to go somewhere? Filch? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is like his one thing. Peeves. I also Peeves. feel I also feel bad for him. If you were like running around the school and you like, you know, you're amongst all the, you know, these people doing all these tricks. And it's like, oh, God damn it. I have to be Absolutely. here. But I can't, but I can't do any of this. <laughs> He's either like a super sad character who's like a squib and he like, this is like the only place that he could be in the magical world. And, and he cares for, well, and he clearly cares for animals. It's something, you know, he has in common with Hagrid. Like. He cares for at least one, at least one At least one, one animal. animal. That's enough for, that's enough for me. But we also have a theory that like, is Mrs. Norris even a cat or is she like his sister or his ex-wife or something? The theory of her just, like, not being a cat and being some other kind of maybe, like, magical creature, I think mm-hmm. is, it like, there's some, a little bit of, like, a little bits in this chapter that sort of back that up. Like, she, he's like, cats can see through the invis- invisibility cloak, but, like, it's just the one cat, though, so far, that can see, you know? I actually can't remember if Crookshanks could see through the invisibility cloak, but Crookshanks is also canon part Neasel, so it's like we're getting into some messy territory here with, like, what are cats in this world? Oh, but also on the um, Marauder's map, like, Mrs. Norris is the only one who shows up, animal who actually shows up, and she shows up with, like, a weird human name, you know? Wait, okay, not to keep contradicting you, but I think Crookshanks shows up on the Marauder's map. Does he? 
To the internet. (laughs) (laughs) To the internet. I literally think there's a passing comment where Harry's like looking at the Marauder's map and he's like, Crookshanks was like terrorizing something in some room. Okay. Does does Crookshanks (laughs) We have to know. Marauder. I I always struggle to spell Marauders. Um, The cool thing about running a Harry Potter podcast is that everything that you are wondering, someone else has talked about before. Absolutely. Like, yeah, like Star Wars. Like, yeah, it's, it's out there. Yep. No, it, that was the uh, amount of time I allotted to researching that, and I couldn't find an answer <laughs> It had a nice, it had a nice song though. Thank you, yeah. thank you so much. <laughs> my my research music. Okay, enter Mad Eye Moody, and this is when it gets really good. Like this would have been so fucking good to see physically in a movie. But frankly, this chapter is very well executed as well with this slapstick kind of like, I I hesitate to call it slapstick humor because it's very tense and scary, but like, it's pretty fucking funny too. No, slapstick, no, it can be both. It can be both? I think so. Yeah. Okay, Okay, cool. Thank you for your professional opinion. (laughs) I don't know how professional it is. I just. (laughs) More professional than me. (laughs) Mad-Eye Moody's magical eye can definitely see through invisibility cloaks. Like he looks up and he's like, whoa. And Harry's like, hi, under his (laughs) invisibility cloak. But Mad-Eye Moody is on team Harry. So Mad-Eye Moody's like, what the fuck are you guys doing here? I don't see anything with my magical eye. Why would you ask? Moody and Snape go back and forth quite a bit going back and forth about like what is going on here they're talking about how mad eye moody has searched snape's office so clearly there's no reason that mad eye moody would have been in snape's office tonight right definitely not according to all of our evidence harry's like yikes this really hurts i hope they wrap this up soon (laughs) (laughs) like tears are his eyes are brimming with tears from the table i'm trying to like imagine I guess it's just, like, the weight and, like, the angle of, like, how he's being suspect. Like, if one of your legs is, like, straight down and the other one is, like, sticking out, like, I guess that would probably not be very comfortable. Maybe there's a little, maybe there's a little cojones pain going on here as well that the book doesn't allude to, honestly. True. If it's all the way up to his thigh. Yeah, yeah. It might be, might be uh, dangerous territory. Um, So, anyway... Moody's like, hey, bro, you dropped something. And he points to the Marauder's map (laughs) to Snape. He's like, Snape, you dropped something. And Snape sees it and is like, I know what that is. But Harry's like, oh, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Uh, Non-verbally. He's uh, aggressively gesturing in perfect silence (laughs) (laughs) to to convey that that's his. So so Snape's like, I know what that fucking is. But Moody echoes it. To himself instead and is like oh that's mine sorry i forgot even though i came in from the other end of the room and this makes no fucking sense <laughs> <laughs> like none of this makes sense snape and moody both know that, that that doesn't make sense and that's not what's happening here it's like literally just the power dynamic between them that gets moody out of this situation pretty much yeah would you agree yeah because you know there's like there's the power dynamic of like like, I know what your past used to be, and, like, I love putting away dark lords. Dark, dark lords? wizards. Dark wizards. <laughs> yeah. And all of the darkest lords. And all of the darkest of lords. There's, you know, rumors about uh, Potter 
shows maybe getting made for the mm. HBO Max. Do we need like a show about all the drama between the teachers and all their yes tension? I would <laughs> love a workplace comedy like The Office, yes. but but it's the teachers of Hogwarts. <laughs> That's genius. Yeah, and you should definitely be cast in that show, Maddie. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, as Moni I, I don't think they. I don't think I'm probably on a list. I don't think they want me. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hard to remember when you know everything about Harry Potter, like we do on this podcast. It's kind of hard to remember how little they know about like team Voldemort in these first couple books. Like as a reminder, we only learned what a death eater was in this book. Harry was like, what the fuck's a death eater? And like to us, that's so obvious because it's like such an important part of the rest of this series. But right now we don't know what Mad-Eye Moody means when he's like, there's some like marks that never come off, right? Mm -hmm. Severus, some pretty dark marks on your body that like never come off. Hint, hint. Like, we have no idea what he's talking about here. Mm -hmm. And I, a couple chapters ago at the Yule Ball, Harry saw Karkaroff, like, flashing something on his wrist. And Harry's like, whatever could this be? I have no idea. So, like, we don't know what that is yet. And that's just, like, so mind-boggling to me. How, I don't know. How did you – how did Harry <laughs> come to Hogwarts and learn that he had this history of defeating this dark wizard? How has he gone to three and a half years well, of history classes and he doesn't know anything about Voldemort at all? It's sort of the struggle of having a you know protagonist like this go through such a long journey. We're following him through such a long journey. He has to be surprised by new things constantly and it's probably true. probably a way that would be un unreal. You'd probably learn all this stuff a lot faster if you were actually exposed to this, you know, new universe. But You're in order right. but like we're following him, so he always has to be like, What is that? Oh my gosh, what <laughs> it like this room is amazing. And it's like you're still amazed by things. <laughs> it's book five. Like <laughs> <laughs> It's true. It's true. And <laughs> You definitely just vividly reminded me of your portrayal of Harry Potter in Puffs, and I well, no, I, we that's that is partly like where where it came from, which is like I can't, like he has to be constantly just like wowed. That is like that was part of like the idea about the characterization. Yeah, I mean that really came true. Uh, came through. I I love that interpretation so much because he really is just like floating through Puffs, just like. Being confused, being delighted, fucking shit up. Like, it's just yeah. um, really floaty. The other thought that was always in my head was sort of like this kind of Mary Poppins mentality of just like walking in and fixing things magically, <laughs> even without any context to what was happening in the room. Right. That was also like, that was also like kind of where the idea came from. I just, I love it so much. Yeah. I just think it would have been so easy to make him like, Kind of like a douchey character to make Harry like kind of a douchey character. Come back for Order of the Phoenix. We talked about that, and I think there's definitely people that would interpret it that way. My feeling was like, you know, honestly, like we we talked about how like we were doing a lot of impressions of the actors, and we felt like it was kind of mean to do impressions of the kids who are learning how to act. Yeah, mm, yeah. So it was yeah, like that's true. The three of them got like, I mean, they were very good at the beginning, but they got so much better right. near the end. Yeah, and I just, completely agree. I feel like you can really see Radcliffe at the beginning of the series, like really trying to do a good job. He's like trying to get everything right. So the idea of like kind of making fun of that or um, 
disrespecting it in any way just kind of felt like it was not in service of the purpose of what we were doing (laughs) that's not very puffy it's not Not very puffy yeah 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 with on our puffs episode i know um tina and i both we had to pick like who our favorite puff was and we both picked you oh my gosh yeah just because just like all of your portrayals uh specifically i picked the specifically the harry portrayal funny (laughs) yeah it's just like it's not only funny but it's just like it just like in a word endearing like yeah, oh, it, it made him so much more endearing yeah. of a character than this whole book series. <laughs> and I think you bring up a really good point, Maddie, that like Harry has to be this dumb or else the he's a stand in for the audience. And I think that that is the tragic flaw of a lot of protagonists in general. Yeah. Is that they have to be in this role of like, I'm a vessel for this story. And so they suck. And you find it all the time. I, I mean, can't think of any specific examples right now besides fucking Frodo. Hot, hot take. I mean, having like in general, and it's not like it, it's it's not like you can't find examples of when this works. Having a protagonist that is not excited to be there or is like is like I don't know what I'm I don't know why I'm doing this. Like that's mm-hmm. re- that's hard. This is hard to write. And I yeah. think that's and I think that's why book three for me is is kind of the strongest through line with him because he has this tangible want. I'm he's just trying to get a piece of paper signed through the whole thing. <laughs> and that's that, the plot of book three. He's just trying to get the because he wants to go get a soda with his friends. He, and through that, you know, he discovers this, you know, father figure, brother figure, whatever you want to call him but like Both. but but all of that stuff is like pushing him through those chapters and yeah. i think i think a lot of the and not that i don't enjoy the other uh books but it's i think that's where they sort of struggle for me is like yeah. i'm not i'm not quite sure why we're he doesn't really want to do the tournament right? hard no he actually does not at all want to do and the that's tournament. yeah that's just that's hard that's just hard to write yeah, and it's hard for us to get behind because as he's yes. succeeding in these things, we're like, hey, babe, we would have done something different 10 chapters ago, so you weren't even in this situation. I'm thinking about there's uh, one of the chapters is called The Four Champions, and it's the chapter right after his name has come out of the Goblet of Fire, and it's the chapter where he goes into like the side room off the Great Hall, and they're all talking about if he should be allowed to p- participate or not, and he pretty much doesn't have a line of dialogue that whole chapter. And it's like his fate is being decided right before his eyes and he's not a part of it. And that is kind of carried throughout the whole book. Like this is the one book where things are truly like just happening to him. And he pretty much has no agency even down until the freaking resolution when his mom is like, hey, sweetie, I need you to I need you to hold the connection for just a second. And then you need to break free and then you need to run back to the port key. And Cedric's like, take my body because that's respectful. And it's like, okay, I can follow directions. I will do this. (laughs) It's like he never does anything of his own accord in this. Yeah. All right. Rant over. Okay. So Harry's doing his best. What? How did we even get here? (laughs) How did we get here? I went on a tangent. I'm sorry. (laughs) It is so okay. It is too late because Snape is, like, super convinced that Harry's there. And as a reminder, Snape can read minds. (laughs) So I don't know if he wasn't paying attention to the minds that were around him. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I I don't know. But Snape can read minds. So he probably should have already known that Harry was here. But as soon as he sees the map, he's like, fucking Harry Potter is here because of the egg and the map. It's all coming together now. So 
Snape starts like zombie walking up the stairs, like grasping for <laughs> Harry, like, ew, absolutely disgusting. And Moody's like, are you obsessed with Harry because you want him to die? And like, did you enter him in this contest? And they bicker and Moody's like, go to bed. <laughs> and Snape's like, maybe I will go to bed. Fine. He's like, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I can't find it fast enough, but he literally is like, you're not the boss of me, but in like longer, you better words. You don't have the authority to send me anywhere. There you go. Thank you so much. So Moody's like, give me the egg too. And Filch is like, but no, it's the only proof I have that Peeves did this thing. And Moody's like, give it to me. <laughs> so Snape and Filch leave. And then Moody comes over to Harry and is like, oh, that, was pr- that was a pretty close one, bud. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, wow, this is a cool fucking map that I'm not worried about at all. <laughs> Harry's like, please let me get out of these stairs, dude. <laughs> I'm in a lot, quite a lot of pain. <laughs> um, so they go back and forth a little bit. Mad-Eye Moody is like, who, did you see who broke into Snape's office? And Harry says that he's like, you're never going to believe me. This is super weird. You probably weren't expecting this. It was Barty Crouch. And then Mad-Eye Moody is like, huh, that's probably because he's obsessed with dark wizards. You should cast your suspicion on Snape, the dark wizard, perhaps. He says, if there's one thing I hate, it's a Death Eater who walked free. Which is so, so, so interesting. Because it's it's true that Mad-Eye Moody, I'm sure, feels this way. And it's also true that Barty Crouch Jr. feels this way. If there's yeah. one thing he hates, it's a Death Eater who walked free. He fucking hates Snape and Karkaroff, because Karkaroff mm-hmm. ran. So... Mad-Eye Moody, as a reminder, has been, like, bullying Karkaroff this whole fucking book. (laughs) And it's because he ran, I think, when Voldemort fell. And Snape has always been two-timing. So Moody's like, bro, this map is so cool. Can I borrow it for teacher stuff? And Harry's like, I wish I could say no to you. No. But I definitely can't. I need it for shenanigans. (laughs) (laughs) I need it for marauding. (laughs) The audacity of the Marauders to call themselves the Marauders. <laughs> what are you marauding? <laughs> so then Mad-Eye Moody is like, hey, man, this isn't a distraction at all. You should become an Auror, bro. And Harry's like, an Auror. And he like goes up to bed with like, sparkle eyes <laughs> thinking about how he's going to be an Auror someday. So that that's my that's one of my questions with the, you know, you have to, if you're writing this, you have to write it like, okay, because you're trying to you're you're trying to fool your audience that that this is the real Mr. Moody. Why is the fake Mr. Moody giving Harry like career advice? <laughs> that's a, that's my question. Unless there's something that I just don't know cuz I'm not as well versed in everything. But my first thought is that Mad-Eye Moody is trying to make Harry trust him. And Harry's not a discerning adult. He's a okay. 14-year-old with an ego complex. So being like, okay, hey, interesting. Man, like, imagine telling a 14-year-old kid, one who isn't in, I don't know, you know, like a certain kind of 14-year-old kid, like, hey, man, you'd make a pretty good, like, detective or, like, FBI agent someday. Oh, like, that's, interesting. That's very flattering. Yeah. I think it's just tr- it's trying to flatter him. Like, yeah, make him be like, oh, wow, he really thinks I'm, like, a good guy. In the movie, though, when it's revealed to be David Tennant, it is weird. 
The idea that that guy would be like giving him career advice. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Oh, David Tennant, I love you so much. I love him so fucking much. So, yeah, Harry goes to bed and he's like, I'm going to be an auror. A word you have to pronounce like really specifically because otherwise it's just like auror. It's, it's hard to say. It's a dumb word. <laughs> it's really hard to say. In an English accent, it's like easier though. You just say aura, right? Like aura. Oh, yeah. I did a trilled R that did aura. the there. <laughs> <laughs> it's en espanol. Aura. Auraro. But um, it reminds me of the, there's a word in English that really bothers me and it's Aural, A-U-R-A-L, it means like having to do with the ear, and I hate it. Oh, I, you yeah. Because it's like oral, but it's like aural. Aural, yeah. It's just the worst our, word. Our, 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 our words are hard. It's yeah, hard. it's bad. It's bad. Just stop <laughs> doing it. The, the letter R is like barely even a consonant. It's called like an approximate because mm-hmm. you don't put your tongue and your teeth anywhere specific when you articulate it like mm-hmm. other consonants. It's just it's an approximate. Oh. So that's why it doesn't feel like you're really getting a good consonant in there. It's because you're not. It's just like R. <laughs> you can be like doing a vowel while you're doing the R sound. Whatever. I'm going to stop. Um, that's the end of the chapter. Was there anything that we missed that you want to touch back on? Are there any themes you want to drive home? Any last minute thoughts, Maddie? I uh, just have one kind of general thought, which I assume in our lifetime, knock on wood, um, we're going to get some sort of reboot of this series. And uh, I feel like the fans need peeves. Yeah. We need peeves. We need um, I do always, I, I think that peeves could be done well today. But I do always like to remind people that Peeves was shot for Sorcerer's Stone. There was an actor who played oh, Peeves no, and I know. shot yeah. scenes. It, I think it was just too fucking weird to have a grown adult man farting in kids' faces. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you, maybe you could refine the details. But yes, I, just, I think there's I a way feel to like, do it. I feel like, and kind of going back to Myrtle, I feel like ghosts in general in the visual adaptation of this series are kind of... Like, we need more of that. We need more ghosts. Yeah. And, I mean, computer graphics have come so, so far since mm-hmm. fucking Sorcerer's Stone in 2001. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, I think that it would be a lot easier to capture a more poltergeisty peeves than mm-hmm. we could have done in 2001. In the Scholastic, uh, the United States Scholastic editions, the chapter headers, there's one in, I think, Sorcerer's Stone, but definitely one of the earlier books where there's this image of Peeves, and he looks like kind of trolly, like kind of gremlin-y. He's definitely mm. not very human-like, so I think that something like that would be like way more appropriate for the kind of shenanigans he does rather than just like a British comedian. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody who's still alive from Monty Python. Right, exactly. So I'll be I'll post a link to that in the show notes, and I'd love to hear what the listeners think about that, about the best way to do a Peeves adaptation. Leela, did you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I just like love I love little details like Maddie. You were talking about just like kind of how the movies kind of sort of miss the mark a little bit with the design of the castle, and I love like the details that really like just give me like all the feels and like bring me into the story. Are like remember it's like the second page in the chapter. This like. There's a statue of someone called Boris the Bewildered. Yes, I also I also wrote that down. I wrote that detail down of like That's awesome. No, there's 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 a bunch of little fun details like like that, you know, like world expanding stuff yeah. that is in the books that I feel like in a in I don't know, a reboot or a TV series you could um 
A TV series you especially, know. yeah, because you could, like, really, like, do, like, a mini series and, and get, like, a lot more into stuff. I get it, like, transferring, look, tra- transferring any kind of media to another kind of media, like, it's not ever going to please anyone and it's not going to go perfectly. No, 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 no. But, um, yeah, there's more they could have done. Over on My Cabbages, which is the Avatar The Last Airbender podcast that's on our network, they had a bonus episode that came out last week that I was on about the Golden Compass movie, which is adapted from the His Dark Materials series. And it's like a fantasy trilogy. And the Golden Compass movie was like, let's adapt book one into movie one. But there's also a TV show that came out like 15, 20 years later, whatever. And it's like, we were talking in that episode about how really... Honestly, for the most part, fantasy should like really should not be adapted into film because there's not enough room to do world building and it's plot. hard. It's hard. It's so hard. And like, I mean, Harry Potter's different because Sorcerer's Stone was really short and it's mostly world building in and of itself. So you have like a lot more time. But like what you can do is you can go full Peter Jackson and be like, I'm gonna do four hour movies to try to get this all together. Or you do fucking the golden compass and you just destroy the source material in your adaptation or like Percy Jackson, just destroy the source material Mm -hmm. in your adaptation. And nobody wants that. So TV shows are where it's at. Well, I guess, I guess it's sort of, I guess it's kind of a funny thing about this genre. And I was actually thinking about this the other day, coincidentally, it was like, you know, does anybody like, I mean, I'm talking about like Lord of the Rings fans. I'm not talking about the casual just film watcher. Is there anybody that like, wishes they were shorter right isn't part of the enjoyment of that is kind of indulging in the length of it so i'm like i'm wondering like can the can these be too can these be too short too long i think there is the lord of the rings viewer who wishes it was shorter but it's like i'm not that person yeah (laughs) i think a true tolkien fan is like soaking up every second of it they're probably like this isn't nearly enough yeah sure (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that it is a hard sell to do what Peter Jackson did, for sure. I think it's a hard sell. And I think it has to, if you're going to be like, I'm going to make a three and a half hour movie, I think it like has to be Lord of the Rings, like maybe Harry Potter. Like, I don't think there's other book series that have enough clout to really warrant that kind of investment. I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting to think about, like, how how do you best adapt these things? Yeah, it's hard. I want a TV show about the Marauders, honestly, yeah. because I think that would be so fucking fun. And I think that there would be great opportunities for exploring diversity in this world if we took it back there. Um, I saw uh, some fan art that I'll link in the show notes that pictured a very adorable, super chubby Lily doing serious Black's hair, like back in the Marauder days. Oh. And I'm in love with it. I love it so much. And I'm sorry that I forgot who the artist is, but I will link it in the show notes. Okay, cool. So are we ready to move on to some plugs? Yeah. Hell yeah. I would love to start by plugging our Patreon. Um, for as little as a dollar a month, you can join our Discord community. And me and Leela hang out there all the time. And it's a super fun place to be. We also release for um, certain tiers monthly bonus episodes. And this month's bonus episode came out last Saturday. And it covered the movie Horns, starring Daniel Radcliffe. That's the connection. Um, it was a great movie. Leela, I know you and Jason enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Jason Hilton was on that episode along with Brooke. Um, so please check us out over on our Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Maddie, please tell us uh, where people can find you on the internet, what projects you're working on, what's going on. Oh my gosh, yeah. 
Well, I'm actually, so I'm actually like right now I'm moving. Whoa, to Los congrats. Oh, yeah. I have bought, I have, I have boxes, like my apartment is just boxes right now. So I'm a little in between pro- uh, projects, but I have a couple small things I can plug. The best way to find me on uh, socials is Instagram and that's Madeline Bundy spelled with three E's like the cookie. So there is this really lovely website that my friend owns called jordandenae.com. Um, she designs like fun, like nerdy, geeky, uh, but like also like kind of subtle like t-shirts and I've actually designed wow. a bunch of t-shirts for her recently <clears throat> so there are um, if you are a if you are a Trek fan I designed a bunch of her Trek shirts and then if you uh, like the prequels whether you actually like them or you like them ironically I'm doing a couple uh, prequel shirts for her uh, so uh, by the time this podcast comes out uh, there should be like three up online and then we're doing a couple more later um, so that's jordandenae.com. And she's just a really lovely uh, person. It's a really lovely That's extremely awesome. Hell yeah. I didn't know you did like graphic design like that too. <laughs> you know, it's it's maybe, I don't know if it's my strongest, like, I don't know if it's my strongest thing, that's but so I like cool. to work on it. That's so cool. I'm so excited to check um, those out. And that's, of course, linked in the show notes. Oh, yeah. So sorry. I also have, I also just designed some puppets for this YouTuber named Patrick Willems. Um, he has a, a YouTube channel called Patrick Willems Explains. If you're a film nerd, uh, he does really lovely uh, film essays. Uh, he uh, made his own movie this year, or, or sorry, he sort of worked on it like kind right. of all during quarantine. Uh, there's a puppet sequence in it that I designed that um, I literally made with like very little budget. It's all like cardboard and paint, but it looks amazing. If I can, if yes. I can toot my own yeah. horn a little bit, it looks like it looks way. Be- I'm saying that because it looks way <laughs> better than I thought it was gonna look. That movie is going up. Um, you can find it through his YouTube channel, uh, Patrick Willems. Awesome. Uh, that's so explains. cool. And that's linked in the show notes as well. Maddie, what is something that you've been... I know you're in transition between homes right now. Well, b- between fucking coasts right now. But what is something that you yeah. have read <laughs> or watched or listened to or played recently that you think our listeners oh my gosh. would enjoy? Oh, my gosh. If I can plug something very silly but very, like, heartwarming and is just, like, made this like packing experience very stressful packing experience so much better the reboot of (laughs) saved by the bell is so funny it is like it is it and it i think i think like everybody probably does go into it with like kind of low expectations but like you know it's like a high school uh teen comedy obviously but it they have the joke like the joke telling is like 30 rock level like they got really good they got really good comedy writers and like the cast is all like they're great actors, but they're also like great comedians. Uh, specifically like Josie Tota is just like one of my, fa- like uh, maybe my favorite actress on TV right now. Um, she's so funny. And, uh, if you need like a little pick me up, it's just like an easy thing to throw on that I think will make your day slash week. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Happy. I didn't even know they were rebooting. So I'm really excited to check it out. It's so fun, and a, a bunch of the you do you do not have to watch the original show. A, a, a couple, a bunch of the actors are in it, but like it's it's really not. It sounds like it's going to be a nostalgia machine. Wow, and good. It's really its own That's thing. amazing. Yeah. That's all you can hope for. And they make fun of they make fun of the old show for kind of being like corny and terrible. Uh, they're like the actors have a kind of a, a good for them. Good That's awesome about it. I love that. Yeah, Lila, where can people find you on the internet? Hello, listeners. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Leals for Reels. 
Oh, and you can also hear me most Sundays with the Movie Night crew, which is our network's namesake. Um, just me and Tina and all of, a bunch of our friends from Restricted Section and other friends as well. Um, we'll just get together every Sunday night and watch sometimes a randomly selected movie, sometimes a carefully curated movie. Uh, last Sunday, we released Jason's birthday pick only two months after his birthday. And for his <laughs> movie, he chose to watch... The first episode of Twin Peaks, which is like an hour and a half long. So that's a very funny one. Oh, wow. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's a throwback. Um, so just some funky things like that. Um, just like interesting to kind of learn about if you're interested to learn about new movies um, and just like hear a bunch of goofballs just shoot the shit, then it's really enjoyable. And today I am plugging um, two different things. I want to plug um, a show that I feel like at this point most of us have seen. If not, you definitely should. Um, it's I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. Yes, yes, I love it. I love it's, it. I, I will love say it. like it's so, funny. so. I love comedy, <laughs> and there's not much that really like shocks me and surprises me anymore in terms of comedy. But this show does it. I can't. It actually came out in 2019, and it's just like a really funny sketch comedy. Mm-hmm. It's like silly, gro- grotesque. Yes, I quote and it it's like it will live. It will be so, like that. It'll just like so live funny. in your head. Um, it's got that like kind of like cringy like Lonely Island humor because those are the guys who also helped produce it. It's um nice. So um, and I have kind of definitely like a soft spot for those guys. It literally makes me cry and pee from laughing. So, what else can you ask for? You know, like that's the ult- that's the best experience you can have. Definitely go watch it. I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. It's on Netflix. Um, and I'd also like to plug. Um, there's a company, a local company. Um, we live here in Richmond, Virginia. There's a company in Norfolk, Virginia called Sugar and Grace Company. It is a black woman owned candle making and skincare business and they make these gorgeous all natural soy candles with like the awesome like the nice crackly wood burning wicks and i have Mm. the current one i'm working on right now is um it's called like it's coquita uh what's it called coquita 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 season um Mm -hmm. so it just like smells like Mm -hmm. a cinnamon eggnog delicious party at my house at all times um and these candles last forever like they're a little more on the expensive side i would say but like i burn through a shit ton of candles and this this baby's lasted me like pretty much the entire holiday season that's awesome definitely check them out um they're a great little locally run business and you'll enjoy their product i've been your host christina you know where to find me on the internet (laughs) this week i'm gonna plug murderville on netflix (laughs) (gasps) <gasps> yes, I also Ooh. watch this. I also love it. <laughs> I watch. Okay, I watch a that lot of television. Okay, you're in good company. <laughs> um, it is just a really unique TV show, which I don't get to say very often. It is Will Arnett is a detective, and every episode he gets assigned a murder case, and his quote unquote new partner every episode is like a random celebrity so it's like hey this is your new his on will arnett goes by terry seattle in this no! <laughs> so, so they're like he's like i've never been <laughs> um so they're like hey detective seattle here's your new uh here's your new partner conan o'brien and he's like oh what's up Conan, nice to meet you. Uh, we're gonna solve this murder, and it's the whole murder investigation is improv. And at the end, they make the guest guess who did the murder out of three suspects, and it's fucking amazing. Um, it's so funny. 
Can I just say, I, don't, I won't spoil anything, just that, like, Sharon Stone I haven't watched that one incredible. yet. I'm going to go watch it right now. Like, they're all, like, they're all, they all have their own sort of take on how they handle the, mm-hmm. the improv, but, like, sh- like, Sharon Stone Damn, is just so awesome. invested. Um, I'm excited. Maddie, thank you so much for joining us. It's been so nice to meet you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. And we're so honored you came on the show. It's, this was so fun. I really appreciate it. Yes, yes. And thank you, uh, you know, just one more time. Thank you so much for Puffs because it's truly a beautiful piece of work. Oh my gosh, it was a lot of work. It was very stressful. So to hear that it worked and people liked it is just really, that's really nice for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it really spoke to me as a, as a Harry Potter fan. Like it really spoke to me. That's so nice. And I'll say like Maddie, like even just speaking for our, our whole Discord, like that your play re- has really like affected a lot of us in just such a huge way. Even oh, that's so nice. Yeah, even those of us who aren't puffs, just it's just like really great to see Harry Potter portrayed in that way. And especially hearing that you did the set design is just like blowing my mind right now because I'm thinking about so many things so, that I love. So clever. Yeah. So yeah. Sorry, I was like, we're gonna try to not compliment your face off, but <laughs> failed. No, I, pre- I appreciate. I I am not good at doing it to myself, so I appreciate. <laughs> we'll I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, and like honestly, especially in today's age, when you know there's so many complications with the author of Harry Potter, and it's really absolutely. hard. Yeah, to, absolutely. Yeah. It's hard to feel good about partaking in Harry Potter stuff, but it's it's the fan made stuff that makes it so that this fan yeah, can absolutely. keep on living without her. One hundred percent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so thank you so much. And Leela, as always, thank you so much for being my co-pilot. Anytime, baby. All right, gang, I got to go finish reading Butterbeer for the Teenage Soul by Cyber Toaster before this book starts weeping. Bye. Bye. The Restricted Section is thrilled to be a member of the Movie Night Crew Podcast Network, which features amazing other podcasts such as My Cabbages, an Avatar podcast. My Cabbages is an Avatar The Last Airbender podcast that was started by two lovable nerds during a global pandemic to stave off their inevitable existential crisis. Coffee. Tea. Honor. Cabbage. Long ago, the four elements lived in harmony. Then, shit went totally cray when the Avatar attacked. Only the Cabbage Man merchant of fine cruciferous vegetables could stand against his trolling. But when the world needed some dank veg, he vanished. Ten years have passed, and my partner and I have started a new podcast. My Cabbages! An Avatar podcast. A weekly show about Avatar The Last Airbender. Whether it's Sokka's new line of cologne. Hey, look at you, sitting there on a seal. Well, now look at back at me. I'm on an on a even bigger seal. Now look away. D&D related antics. You have to make an acrobatics check for that. And Aang just like unzips his pants and whips out his D20s. He's just like, I got this. Or randomly breaking into song. <laughs> so go bending waterfall. We'll stumble our way through the greatest show ever made, one episode at a time. You can reach us at CabbageCast, which is our Twitter, or subscribe wherever you catch pod. Rotten cabbages? What kind of slum do you think this is? The Restricted Section was created by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Support us on patreon.com slash restricted section. 
For as little as a dollar a month, you can gain access to our Discord community server, which is a really happy place to be. And there are other rewards as well, such as bonus episodes and Zoom happy hour hangouts. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at RestrictedSectionPod, on Twitter at RestrictedPod, and on Facebook at RestrictedSectionPod. Also, feel free to shoot us an email at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com to share your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or even lavish praise. That is like one of the laws of our podcast that every episode starts with technical difficulties. That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network.